0: Okay man, I'm sorry i'm gonna I don't I try never to blow my nose up here, but uh I'm gonna wipe it here and there uh hopefully I'll get it you know in a good spot uh you guys uh this is tough because Nick uh who we love so much, was up there in idaho and and ministering, and then he got caught in this like vortex you know to where he uh, started cutting off the brothers and sisters to a large degree as far as, started falling into some kind of strange teachings and we're not even sure exactly where they're all coming from, but becoming like, you know, really concerned about very small things like, can you say bro? Telling brothers that they shouldn't use the word bro, just use your brother, and, or maybe we should dress in suits, so everybody should dress up, you know, to show more reverence for God. And, and then he kinda got in this funk where he was just not trusting anybody because he was going through this thing and he thought he was hearing a voice, you know? And uh, he kept saying, I gotta listen to this voice thinking it was God. And that voice was telling him not to trust anybody, you know, not to trust Pastor Nick over there at Idaho and the church over there and not to trust all of us, you know? And uh, and he just, we're, we're real at this fellowship, you know? We gotta, we just going to be real today. And. uh He was in a horrible trial. And I don't think some people, they're like, how could this happen? They don't realize how forceful the enemy can be. And the demonic world is very, very real and they come with thoughts. Sometimes they're just thoughts they put in your head. That Paul talked about, you know, that Satan and his minions fire fiery arrows into our brains, into our hearts. And those fires can consume us. And he began to get consumed to a degree and uh, and it's real, it's, it's real. And, and he felt he was the same voice, wanted him to prophesy over some other people. And he told a brother uh, in the fellowship, one of my dearest friends ever, uh, who was reaching out to him and said, hey, let's get together. And he, he took him out shooting. They sat down for lunch. And he was trying to, uh, in Nick's mind, he was trying to do what's right. That's what you have to understand. It wasn't like Nick was like, I hate God or anything like that. He just got deluded and he started telling him that you have a uh, a, a deceitful heart. And he, and he started really prophesying. And, and the brother called me and said, it, it's really scary, you know, the way he was talking. And it was spooky, you know, and he said, something that's not Nick, you know. And I'm like, yeah. And many of us tried to communicate with Nick and for most he would just, text, I text him, I sent a few things to him, and uh, I got back, uh, I I just have to seek God, you know, and he was cutting himself off from fellowship, and that's huge, because that's what the enemy does, you know, tries to alienate you, and I was able to get a hold of him just before the cops arrived, because his uh, dad was there, and I thank God he picked it up, and I was able to talk to him for almost five, ten minutes, almost ten minutes, and, and just encourage him, don't do anything dumb. I didn't use the word dumb. I said, don't do anything rash. Just You get through this trial. Just wait it out. Just wait it out. There's light at the end of the tunnel, and there's light in the tunnel. The Lord's with you because he was all of a sudden feeling condemnation because these new things he was believing, I guess he felt like he couldn't live up to them. And I, my texts were, look, to Christ, you know. Look to the cross. Look to what Jesus did for you. and Recognize, you know, what the, don't, don't follow any thoughts of the enemy. And I told him, the enemy is a liar. He comes to still kill, and destroy. You know? And, uh, and uh, his dad uh, took the phone and said, hey, Joe, thanks so much for praying for him. He goes, but somebody's at the door. And I knew who it was because as soon as I heard he was having horrible thoughts, at uh, a certain level, I thought, well, I got to take a shot before the cops grab him. He put in him, just, just rest, relax in Christ. Don't, I go, the enemy can't make you do anything because I'd heard that he was suicidal. I said, the enemy can't make you have to do anything. Don't feel like you're gonna have to do something. Don't do, don't do anything because the enemy can't snatch out of the Lord's hands, just rest. And then uh, Nick Paneri was there with Ivan and his dad at the hospital with him for a while. And uh they were ministering to him and and he took off at one point they brought him back and i don't know what i don't want to blame anybody but the surveillance wasn't keeping him you know he took off and he was brought back and then they had to go home after a few hours and and he took off again and his dad tried to grab him he couldn't and then uh he died you know and uh I can't pray for the dead, you know? That's the tough one, you know? But uh, I, I was praying and fasting that morning for him when I got the call. And uh, my heart just broke for his family so much. I'm sorry. So I was like, Lord, I spent half the day with uh, Travis and Marissa and talked to his dad, Rick, that day. and. I thought, man, I don't have a message because the message I was going to preach, I can't preach that message because that message was having joy in the midst of last message. It was having joy in the person of Christ, right? And, and the other part was through prayer and through his word, right? How we get to know Christ. And I thought my next message, which was today, was joy and fellowship. And I put together a whole other message which was on spiritual warfare and putting on the armor of God, which is a series I've been working on for this new year because I've been seeking the Lord. How can I strengthen the fellowship in regard to standing amidst the spiritual attacks we go through? And I decided I would go through a series two-month long or whatever on a spiritual warfare. And I thought, you know what? I'll give one message on that, and then as a kind of a prelude to the series, which we'll get into because we're at the tail end of Revelation now last so many verses and I thought and I put that message together yesterday I've had peace that it's strong it'll encourage people but every time I prayed it was like this message came back to my heart I was like Lord is that you because why would I be talking about joy today but the message was joy through Christian fellowship, and how important, and then the second or third time I prayed, it was like, ah, oh, because it's on fellowship, that's why it keeps coming to my heart, and uh, how important fellowship is for us as Christians, amen? And how Nick got alienated. And please understand, this is how confusing it can get, is Nick was not in a place where he was like, didn't show any like anger toward God, like I don't want nothing to do with Jesus and Christianity, he just came under some weird teaching, a, which the enemy used to get him out of fellowship where he wasn't trusting anybody. And he didn't even know what he believed. He went away for some time, and he came back from when he went away. And when Nick said he first talked to him, he seemed like, hey, I'm, I'm good, man. I share the convictions of Blessed Oak Chapel, you know, and so forth. But then he, would like Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, he'd go into a funk. You're like, I can't trust anybody, I have to seek, you know, you know, just, and they said he kept just stopping listening to sermons, but they didn't know. We know a couple of the teachers he was listening to, and I made sure because he thought one of these preachers that he listened to when he was gone prophesied over him that he was a hireling and not like a shepherd, and that uh, he was feeling condemned that he was a hireling. Another brother said he was listening to this other preacher too, and and I said, don't con- you can't condemn these preachers because you don't know exactly what they said. And then I found out later the preacher that he felt prophesied over that it was hireling was given a teaching on John 10 and how the hireling is paid so he doesn't stay with the sheep, he flees. He felt like he was doing that, you know. And he interpreted it that way it sounds. I don't know that the pastor went up to him and prophesied, you're a hireling, you know. So when you get in a funk and, and the enemy gets a hold of you, he can whisper all kinds of things in your heart. And things can happen that you can interpret as a message from God. And that's why it's so important to be grounded in fellowship so your brothers and sisters are there for you to say, hey, you know, what's going on with you, you know? Let's talk, let's pray. And, and there's wisdom in a multitude of counselors, the Bible says. But if you don't have that counsel of brothers and sisters and you're cut off from walking with your brothers and sisters and walking the light and, and submitting to you the leadership, he wasn't submitting to Nick's leadership. And Nick is a wise, wonderful young pastor who would only be speaking words of life and encouragement to him. And uh, he got cut off from Nick because he was, the spirit told him not to trust him, you know? And that's the person other than the Lord God, his local pastor that he should have been fellowshipping with and getting prayer from along with the other brothers and sisters there. And thankfully, some brothers were able to talk to him as well before I talked to him as well, that there's a couple people he talked to, but then he would cut them off to one degree or another. And uh, and they warned him. And uh, it's just, you know, the scriptures say that we're supposed to take up the whole arm of God that we may stand in the evil day. Yeah. You know, we all have evil days. Yeah. We all will go through an evil day where we're tested, where the... The hedge comes up for a time like Job, right? Mm-hmm. And we have to persevere through that time. And fellowship is a huge key. So the more I prayed, and I just, late, late last night, I was like, I'm definitely preaching joy uh, through Christian fellowship. And, uh, and the emphasis is not so much joy, although that's so important, amen, but the vitality, the importance, the imperative of being in fellowship with other Christians. It's so huge. I went through a severe trial over 20 years ago as a young pastor, very severe. And, uh, and it's really different when you're used to always doing the ministering and helping people through their trials as a pastor, when all of a sudden you have to say, I need help. And so many brothers and sisters in this fellowship, then he wasn't able by, his, by God's grace to cut me off from everybody. I said, I gotta be humble, I need prayer, man going through some crazy things, man. The enemy is so real right now, and the hedges have gone up. Like Job, or Satan sought permission, Jesus said, to sift people like wheat, and he gave him that permission. And Job, he sought permission. He got permission for a time. And I've endured with many of you, and and I'm so glad. After that trial, he usually I'm glad I went through that trial. After that, I was like, I don't want to get anywhere near that trial. But in hindsight, I was like so glad. In the end, the Lord let me go through that, because so many people came out of the woodworks, that saw that hey my pastor is vulnerable too we all go through things and they started sharing their trials that they would have probably never shared they like lined up at different times I was like wow thank you Jesus and uh but I had to hum myself and say man I need fellowship I need my brothers and sisters and I knew I had a sense too you know because when the enemy is on you he's trying to alienate you I knew that I knew that was real I said no I can't let that happen And it's only by the grace of God that I endured that. And uh, Nick was away from a lot of his brothers and sisters here. He was still in touch with Nathan a little bit. He talked to Nathan a bit, talked to Chad a bit. uh, But he wouldn't trust anybody in biblical doctrine. He got into, we're strong here about doctrine, amen? We're strong about what the Bible teaches because God's word is strong on it but we're very careful about not taking, not straining at gnats, you know? If someone says brother or bro, you might have a preference. You may not like bro or you might prefer brother, but we don't make it a thing to where you're not reverent enough to fellowship with me, you know? And that was never Nick, by the way. Nick is so free and loving and sweet. But He confused this voice with the Holy Spirit and it was telling things contrary to the Holy Spirit. And instead of encouraging him to be in fellowship with his brothers and sisters, he got separated. And I'm gonna go through some scriptures that to encourage all of you, that you write this deep, indelibly in your heart, the importance of being in fellowship, amen? The importance of being with other brothers and sisters in Christ and being strengthened by them and also recognizing your role in strengthening them because we're supposed to be discipling each other, amen? We're supposed to be building up each other in Christ. Older women, God commands you in Titus chapter two to disciple the younger women, to teach them. Well, what do I teach them? It's right there, it's like you don't have to be, you go to seminary for 30 years, you just open Titus chapter two and it's what he encourages the women in. He says the older women teach the younger women these things and they're to be examples. And the older men, the younger men are to emulate the older men in Titus. Sisters, Older sisters that have been in the Lord sometimes. Why would you not want to take some time out and encourage your younger sisters in Christ? Amen? Why would you not want to do that? We need to do those things. Apply those teachings to our lives. Amen? Older men, why would you not want to pour into a younger man's life? Amen? And encourage them. We need to fellowship more. We need to be around each other. You can't do those things if you're not around each other. We love our live stream audience, and we have so many wonderful brothers and sisters out there. And we know so many of you watch us because you're like, praise God, they preach the truth here. That's a beautiful thing. But you can't just be a hearer of the word. Not that you are, but if you're out there in the live stream audience, you need to be around other believers too. You have to be a doer of the word. Be doers of the word, not hearers only. So you need to be building up your brothers and sisters in Christ. And so many of you are doing that. We know that. We praise God for our live stream fellowships. But we know there's a lot of you that are listening on your lonesome right now. The Lord loves you, but he wants you to be in fellowship so you can be built up by other believers, so you can encourage other believers. Amen? And we say these things because we love you and we want God's fullness for you. But Chad, it was kind of interesting because that was like confirmation because my message had been, was supposed to be joy through Christian fellowship. And Chad came up here, one of the first things he said is that the Bible says we're sorrowful, yet joyful. Which one of the scriptures that has been on my heart, I mentioned it last week actually in my message. And boy, I had no clue that I would be so sorrowful today that you guys would. But so joyful too, because we have that abiding joy of Christ in us, the hope of glory, amen. And the Bible says the joy of the Lord is our strength. Amen. Our brother Nick lost his joy. He's telling people he felt dead inside yet he was still alienating himself from everybody. And you can feel dead inside sometimes. Sometimes Elijah got depressed. You know, Jesus was grieved to the point of death in, in Gethsemane, you know. There's be times where you're, you're hurting inside. But you'll get through the storm. You don't make rash decisions. You wait on the Lord. I did a message called on waiting on the Lord last Wednesday. And uh, I think that's before I even knew this was going on. It's happened so quick, guys. But last Wednesday it was waiting on the Lord, and God will rise you up on the wings of eagles. I think it was like the next day I get somebody sends me a Christmas gift in the mail, which is an eagle with Isaiah 40, 31, that scripture on it. And I'm like, that's crazy, Lord. You know. And that's just, so I encourage you, brothers and sisters, we, he'll renew our strength, it says, and, and rise us upon the wings of eagles, amen, when we wait on him. What does it mean to wait on the Lord? you know? And we have to wait on the Lord and be in communion with him to have joy. To overcome the times of depression, the times of the lean times spiritually when we're going through really hard times. Amen? Amen. And I shared with you John chapter 15 last week. First and foremost, our joy comes from having a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. The fruit of the Spirit is love, peace, joy. Long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, meekness, self-control, right? Gentleness against such things there is no law. His joy is communicated to us by his spirit. And that, that, that comes from being in communion or fellowship with his spirit, fellowship with Jesus. And I shared with you John chapter 15, where Jesus said, I'm the vine. You are the branches, right? Yeah. And those vines cannot bear fruit. I mentioned you can't break those vines off and say, I don't want to go in the yard and pick grapes if you have a grapevine. So I'm just gonna break branches off and put them on my table. Every morning there'll be grapes. No, there won't be because the branch has been detached from the vine, amen? Amen. And if you're detached from Christ and out of fellowship with Christ, you cannot produce fruit. And it's after that that Jesus says that he says these things to us, that his joy, that we may have his joy, right? That our joy may be full. You cannot have true joy without communion and fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And one of the places we went was in Philippians. We spent a lot of time in Philippians, actually, amen? And we talked about how Paul derived his joy, he said. And he uses the word joy over and over again, like a dozen times. And he's in prison. Yet it's his most joyful letter. It's not because of the circumstances, because he says, I learned how to be content. In bad circumstances and in great circumstances. I learned that I could do all things through Christ who strengthens me, amen? He used the word joy over and over again. Yet, one of the huge keys to joy for us as Christians is not fellowship simply with Jesus, which is the main thing, but also fellowship with our brothers and sisters in Christ because we're the body of Christ. The joy that flows through believers, they transmit by the Holy Spirit to other believers. And we have the communion with Christ as we minister one to another. In the book of Hebrews, he says, God's not unjust to forget what you've done for him and how you've ministered to the saints. I'm like, that blows me away. That means when we minister to one another, we're ministering to Jesus. Because Jesus says, what you've done to least of these, my brethren, you've done unto me, amen? amen? So as part of the body of Christ, we minister in his power to other parts of the body of Christ. And it's Christ ministering to us through each other, amen? And that takes place through fellowship. And that's a huge key. We need to be in fellowship. And there's joy there. Listen to 1 John chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. What we have seen... And heard, we proclaim to you also so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. These things we write so that what? Our joy may be made full or complete. Amen. You catch that? He, these things are written in 1 John. Why is 1 John written? One of the main reasons from the very get-go, he says, so that we'll have fellowship with one another. And that we'll have fellowship with Christ. And so that our joy will be made full. And guess what? Just get out of fellowship for some time. Just don't be in the assembly with your brothers and sisters in Christ. And then you'll start to sense apathy, depression. Because we, want to, we need to be where the Lord's people are. And I think this is really interesting is in Philippians, where Paul talks about joy over and over again, he talks about his joy in the Lord. But guess what he also talks about? His joy in the people. Remember last week I was going into joy in the person of Jesus? In prayer, I was using these P's as kind of my outline. Well, this is joy through God's people. And in Philippians chapter 4, verse 1, Paul writes this. Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. Some of them stand firm, but he says, you are my joy. You are my crown. He so longed to be with his brothers and sisters in Christ. And that's where he drives so much joy. And just receiving letters from them or receiving, knowing that they were concerned about him brought him great joy. But to know that they were walking in Christ brought him even greater joy. Because his whole life was invested in seeing his brothers and sisters grow and know Jesus. And John said, I have no greater joy than this and to see my, bro- my children walk in the truth. I drive six great joy when I see my brothers and sisters overcome obstacles and challenges in their lives, overcome sin, walking with Jesus, knowing the truth, recognizing how much valuable truth is, not being deceived and walking. That's why there's so much to spare. When somebody goes astray or they fall into sin or they get confused, it's so heartbreaking. Please go to Acts chapter 2. Verse 42 through 45. Lord, help me not cry so much. <laughs> Lord, 242. This was what the early church was like. And this is what we pattern our fellowship after. Much in the book of Acts, because this shows you the early church was real, you know. It was, but it shows you what their priorities were and what they came, how they came together and what their emphasis was. Acts chapter 2, verse 42. says they were continually what? Devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching. Or if you have the King James doctrine, it means the same thing. They were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' doctrine. We, we emphasize, that's the, that's the first thing on the list. We emphasize sound apostolic doctrine. What did Jesus and the apostles teach? What's their emphasis? What did they emphasize? What's the church lacking in regard to they, what they taught? Because many churches are not teaching the apostles' doctrine on many, many issues that just breaks your heart. And the Bible says in the last days, people accumulate themselves, teachers who tickle their ears and teach them what they wanna hear. So we all have to say, okay, am I trying to find something really easy, you know, so my Christian life isn't so challenged? Because Jesus' teachings, he challenged his apostles over and over again, amen, to surrender their lives. And we need to make sure that we're genuine, that we really want to follow the Lord and that, we're trying, that we want sound teaching. In fact, you, you, you do a search of the word teaching or doctrine in the new testament through a concordance you'll see it's everywhere it's everywhere emphasized paul said watch your doctrine and your behavior and you'll save those you'll save yourself and those who hear you first timothy four sixteen. it's vital that we are knowing what god's word says amen? amen that we're not deceived in areas and that we don't make light of false doctrine how do you think churches that are teaching a lot of false doctrine grow because people don't care or they like to hear it. So make sure that you underline in your heart, man, I need to make sure that, I, that I'm in a fellowship that emphasizes sound doctrine. And there's two things that are very detrimental to uh, professing Christians regarding churches that don't emphasize strong doctrine. Many of the mega churches do that. That's how they grow. They don't say things that might, people might disagree with. So they don't emphasize sound doctrine because they want just everybody to come to their church. But guess what, people aren't getting sound doctrine. And those churches get so big, and then they get so big that there's no accountability because they could just go there and they could get away from the Lord. They could fall away, people wouldn't even know it, or they could be falling away when they're going there involved in all kinds of evil and nobody would know the difference. And they're never gonna probably talk to the pastor, you know, because it's, and, and that's, that, that's a real danger and that's not with every big church because there could be big churches that emphasize sound doctrine and accountability, amen? But, but many of them don't. Let's just be honest, you know? So that's what was happening with Nick. He wasn't being, the enemy was trying to alienate him from accountability to those who loved him most, to those who wanted to hold him up and encourage him. He was getting alienated. Well, listen to what It says, They were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching. Continually. And to what? Fellowship. That's the next thing on the list, man, is fellowship, amen? Koinonia. The Greek word koinonia is a word that's translated fellowship over and over again. And it means to have things in common, to have partnership together, to have common goals, to to have communion together. And as Christians, we have the same Lord, amen? We have the same Bible, the same instruction book, amen, we have the same faith, the same baptism, the same spirit, and there's such beauty there, so they continue, this is what the early church did, they continued devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer, we talked about prayer last week, but breaking of bread, whether you're breaking bread and sharing meals together or you're having communion together and you're praying together. Those are keys. We cannot just come here and show up and say hi to some people real quick and then just bolt every time. Now, there's times you've got to bolt, you know. You've got something you've got to do. But we need to get to know our brothers and sisters in Christ. And you don't want just to just get to know a few people in the fellowship and be in a clique either. You want to mix up with other people. I've, I'm in a really precious spot because as a pastor, I get to know whoever wants to know me, you know, Whoever comes and talks to me, whoever I counsel, and it's just beautiful. But it's sad when people get in these little clicks and they become gossip sessions and they become destructive, you know, and you don't want to put yourself over other people. Not that anybody's doing that here, okay, but you always have to be careful that you're not clicking and you don't fellowship with other certain people in the fellowship because you think you're better than them or, or you're just too cool or something like that. That's, that's nauseous in God's sight, you know. We want to recognize that every single person here, Jesus died for all of us, amen? And we need to have communion with one another and we should all be friendly and loving toward everybody, amen? And that's one thing I love about this fellowship. So I'm not coming down on you, but I am going to encourage you to to go further. I love the fact that after this fellowship, the fellowship could be over. And uh, half hour later, I see a bunch of people hanging out fellowship, a bunch of people still praying pray together, talking together, encourage each other. Others go out to grab a bite or whatever. But always include people. Be inclusive of other brothers and sisters in your group. It doesn't mean you can't hang out with this person or that person or this few people more than other people. Okay? Jonathan hung out with David. Amen? David with Jonathan. That's, that's, that's beautiful. But guess what? Don't exclude other brothers and sisters from your life because that will hurt you and that also robs them of the blessings that you could be to them. Amen? And it's, it's beautiful that people hang out and they fellowship because there's relationships here. I remember speaking at a huge fellowship that I was invited to speak at. And it was a great time. Kurt, uh, another pop, a popular teacher taught, two popular teachers, and I taught with them years ago, and we rotated. And it was a huge fellowship, a lot of people there. But right after the service was over at that church, everybody's gone, except like 25, 30 people. And I was like, man, everybody just left right afterwards. There's a huge amount of people there. And I went over to where that 25, 30 people were. As I got closer, I saw it was all my brothers and sisters from Blessed Hope. I thought, praise God. That's a good thing, Lord. Okay. That's beautiful, you know. But we want to make sure we fellowship outside the walls because the church is not the building. The church is us. Amen? Amen. One of the words for church is in the Greek. The main word translated church throughout the New Testament is ekklesia. And you've heard me talk about that preposition, that Greek preposition, ek, means to be called out, right? The church is an ecclesia; It's a called out company of believers, amen? We're separate from the world. This Bible says we've been called out of darkness into the fellowship or communion or the kingdom of his dear son, into the kingdom of his dear son. We're now an ecclesia; where we belong to Christ, amen? And praise God, we have a refuge from the storm in Christ, amen? But he's also given us the church where we can fellowship with each other, amen? Outside the storm, And we can strengthen each other to go back into the storm and snatch people from the fire. Amen? But it's important that you are not just getting together here, but that you in your life have a rhythm to where you're fellowshipping with other people outside the building with the purpose of building them up, with the purpose of encouraging them. Amen? That's so huge. It's so important. Everyone... Or verse 42, they continually devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to breaking of bread and to prayer. Like I said, we talked about that last week. If you want to get into that, because that's an important part of fellowship, we should be praying with each other. One thing that we had a beautiful time doing over and over again yesterday, I was praying with different believers at Travis's home and Marissa with them and others. When I got home, calling people, encouraging them, praying. Prayer is huge. And man, if you're married to a, your spouse, a believer, pray together. Make sure you're praying together. That fellowship in the home, and fellowship needs to start with the believers right where you're at. If you're living with another brother or sister or, or friends, pray together. Say, hey, let's pray together. And just make, that'll build your heart and your love for each other and your love for the Lord. Verse 43, everyone kept feeling a sense of awe and many wonders and signs were, being, were taking place through the apostles. All those who had believed were together and had all things in common. Wow. They actually shared their possessions because uh, with people that didn't have anything, they cared for each other. So our fellowship should, should take on the attitude of Christ where we lay our lives down for each other, we care for each other, where there's deep friendships forged, Amen. Where it's not just this trite little thing where we keep everybody at a distance, but we actually surrender our lives to the Lord and we're used by the Lord to help people. If you've been blessed, that you be a blessing. God gave you blessings so you would be a blessing. Amen? Amen. It's better to give, Jesus said, than to receive. So we need to be givers. We need to be blessers. Amen? Now, true Christian fellowship means we share the same confession. We believe in the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit as, as a triune God, the Trinity. We believe that Jesus Christ is Lord Amen. and true fellowship is marked by a deep relational commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ and to each other. Amen? Amen. It, it's, 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 it's marked by love and joy. They kept feeling a sense of, ah, you see that? When you have the apostles doctrine, right, and you're committed to truth, you're committed to one another, you're committed to fellowship and you're praying for one another, you see the Lord work. You see, the Lord do wonderful things. I could easily write a huge book on the different things I've seen in the miraculous that the Lord's done in my brothers and sisters in our fellowship through the years. I don't know how huge, but a big book, okay? I could write a, you know, just the miracles. You just, because when people are in fellowship, you see every day his hand at work in certain ways, in certain things that that can't have been a coincidence, you know? Romans 14, 17, the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and the joy and joy in the Holy Spirit. The kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but it's peace and it's righteousness, peace, love, joy in the Holy Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is joy, and as believers, we need to get on our knees and say, Lord, use me. I surrender to you. Fill me with your Spirit. Help me have the fruit of the Spirit in my life. On a daily basis, we crowd the Lord to be used by Him. Whatever gifts you have for me, Lord, Whatever gifts of the Holy Spirit you have in 1 Corinthians 12 and 14, 1 Peter chapter 4, Ephesians 4, you know, Romans chapter 12, let me, use me, use those gifts in me to build up my brothers and sisters in Christ, amen? So it's very, very important. Now, I love this passage. It's one of my favorite Psalms, and in Psalm chapter 133, let's go there, Psalm 133. To a song of ascents. They're going up to the holy mountain to have fellowship at the temple. A psalm of David. Verse one, behold, how good and how pleasant it is for brothers to dwell together in unity. How good and how pleasant it is for brothers, that would include sisters as well, for brothers to dwell in unity. How good. It's a very good thing. And how pleasant it is for us to dwell in unity. Amen to be unified by the Lord's word, amen? Jesus said, when he prayed for our unity in John 17, he said, sanctify them by thy truth. God's truth, his true word sanctifies us because it sets us apart from the fallen, wicked world. It sets us apart from false teachings and philosophies and ideologies. Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brothers to dwell together in unity. It is like the precious oil upon the head. What's the oil represent, brothers and sisters? Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. Amen, the Holy Spirit. It's like the precious oil upon the head coming down upon the beard. Even Aaron's beard coming down upon the edge of his robes. Wow, now this is powerful. This is one of the reasons I love this. Who is Aaron? Aaron is the what? High priest. He's the high priest. The high priest of the Old Testament was a picture of who? Who's our high priest in the New Testament? Who's the ultimate high priest? The high priest after the order of Melchizedek. Jesus. It's the Lord Jesus Christ. Aaron was a picture of the Lord Jesus. The high priest would give the sacrifices. Christ gave himself as a sacrifice. Amen. You have the cities of refuge. If somebody killed someone accidentally, his family might try to avenge the one, the relative that was killed, and they'd chase that person. If that person get to a city of refuge, he was protected there. And he wasn't, but when the high priest died, he was set free. When our pre- high priest, the Lord Jesus Christ, died on the cross, we were set free, amen? Because they went to Abraham's bosom before Jesus died, which was like a city of refuge. When he died on the cross, it says, Jesus, f- who ascended on high, first ascended the lower parts of the earth and set, at, set free those who were held captive, amen? And set them free. J- Aaron's a picture of the high priest, picture of Jesus. It's like precious oil upon the, the, the head coming down upon the beard, even Aaron's beard, coming down upon the edge of his robes. Guess what? The oil is a picture of the Holy Spirit. He's anointed to be high priest. It was a picture of the Holy Spirit f- being upon Aaron. Guess what? Jesus was filled with no limit in the, with the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Amen? As the God man. And we are part of his body. Right? And the oil flows throughout the entire body. Isn't that beautiful? And guess what? When the body comes together in unity, amen, as a body of Christ, we can sense the flow and ebb and work of his spirit more. How many know when you're along other brothers and sisters who love Jesus and you're talking to them, encouraging one another, that there's just a sense of joy that you have? Ever since I was a new Christian, man, just ever since I was like, wow, I didn't know that joy. I had the typical happiness off and on as a non-Christian in accord with what was happening around me and then I had bouts of you know depression or sadness like everybody else when they're a teenager and stuff. But when I became a Christian, man, and I started hanging out with believers that loved Jesus, we'd go in the hills together, we'd walk up in Simi Hills, man, and we'd be singing, like some of the songs we've been singing lately, it's like a lot of these songs that, that Gerald's leading us in are the songs that I, where I grew up with in the faith, you know, when I first became a believer when I was around 18. You are my hiding place. And we'd be out there, man, and there'd be like a fog over the hills. You're walking through it, and it's at like you know, 11 at night, we'd be singing together with brothers and sisters. You are my hiding place, just worshiping him. And the joy and the, 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 the beauty of that was so powerful. And that's made me want to worship him and sing and praise him all the more because he deserves it. He deserves all the glory. But praise God, you also get to be blessed by his Holy Spirit. Because when... Paul said in Ephesians 5.18, don't be drunk drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit, right? Right after he said, he says, singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Same thing he says in Colossians. So when they sang praises in the temple, you remember they dedicated the temple The glory of God, the kabod, was so heavy that the smoke of his presence so filled the temple that they had to get on their faces because it was so powerful. And we're the temple of the Holy Spirit. That was a picture of the power of the Holy Spirit in their lives as they worshiped God. It began to flow. And as we worship the Lord in spirit and truth, Right? We, it's a way of surrendering to the Lord. We draw near to him. He draws near to us. We get to experience his spirit in a greater fullness. Amen? But when we're together as an assembly praising God and lifting up his, his praises and worshiping him in spirit and truth, we get to experience the power of his spirit collectively as the body of Christ, which is pictured here. In fact, look at verse 3. It's like the dew of Hermon. It's like the D, uh, D, dew of Hermon coming down upon the mountains of Zion. That's Jerusalem. For there the Lord commanded the blessing, life forever. That's very interesting because Hermon is a huge mountaintop, huge mountain as you go through Israel. I mean, you can't miss it. And when you're up north, it's like huge, and it's snow capped so often, even in the drier months of the year. But it says right here, it's like the dew of Hermon coming down upon the mountains of Zion. Zion's a long way from Hermon, it's in Jerusalem. But guess what? The wind would blow from the north over that mountaintop toward the south. And where it was dry and hot in weather very similar to our weather here in California, Southern California, that nice cool breeze would come in and refresh you. It'd be so refreshing. You'd die, you're hot, man, it's so hot. All of a sudden, wow, you just want to stand in that breeze, like, wow. Call the family out, hey, praise God. The mountain, a hermon, man. The snow, because the snow would be would blow through the air, and it'd just be so cool. And you get there, and you just be so refreshed. Well, guess what? That's what Christian fellowship is like. It keeps you from being dry. All of a sudden, you experience the blowing, the Holy Spirit, the wind. Remember, that's a picture of the Holy Spirit as well. Amen. Mighty rushing wind. Acts chapter two, and they all spoke in tongues. The cloven uh, light on their or, or on their on their heads. God wants us to experience that, amen? And that happens through Christian fellowship. It's so beautiful. Now go to Hebrews chapter three. Hebrews chapter three. And when you get there, uh, in Hebrews chapter three, I want you to go to verse uh, one. Hebrews chapter three, verse one. We read, Therefore, holy brethren, partakers of a heavenly calling, consider Jesus the apostle and high priest of our confession. First and foremost, we consider him. He was faithful uh, to him who appointed him as Moses also was over all his house. For he has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses by just so much as the builder of the house has more glory than the house. For every house is built by someone, but the builder of all things is God In other words, Jesus deserves more glory than Moses. Just says God, because He's the builder of all things, deserves more glory than the creation. Amen? Because Jesus is God. Then He says, Now Moses was faithful in all his house as a servant for a testimony to those things which were to be spoken later. Verse 6 But Christ was faithful as a son over what? His house, whose house we are. Whose house we are. You have a house, you have a home. That's your home, home sweet home hopefully for you. But guess what? We are God's home. We are a household. Paul said, do good unto all men, Galatians chapter six, but especially to those who are of the household of faith. We are the household of faith, amen? We are brothers and sisters. We once did not have a home. The Lord takes single persons, it says, and puts them in a home, amen, in the Psalms. He takes us and he puts us all in a home together. And guess what? We have the most awesome home ever. We're in God's home, amen? God is our Father, amen? We have the most awesome Father ever. Father God, amen? And we have a home. And we are brothers and sisters and we need to treat each other like brothers and sisters. You know, my family, we have a family texting, where Holly and Heather and Josiah and Lisa and I are on this family text and we're always, people are always in the family texting each other in that. And it's just because we're family, we love each other. But guess what, we also recognize our family is also the body of Christ, amen? And we have a family right here, a local church, amen? And we should all be loving each other, encouraging each other, including each other, and treat each other as brothers and sisters, amen? amen? How beautiful it is. I love it when new people come into our fellowship, you know? And they get to experience this, you know? Don't mean to call you guys out, but I'm thinking of some of the newer folks in our fellowship right now, with, you know? Andy and Aaron and then behind them Shane and Amy and uh, gotten to know both of those couples and they just love Jesus and they've shared with me just how beautiful it is having fellowship, amen? And they say it's so awesome because we stay after fellowship and, and it's so encouraging because we see the people fellowship with each other, love each other and encourage each other and they didn't necessarily have those experiences but which one of you guys, some of you shared that with me, right? Raise your hand if you shared something like that with me. Okay, it was Aaron and Andy, <laughs> uh, but Shane and Amy have the same sentiment, you know, and uh, have sh- shared that, uh, Lily, 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 did I say Amy? I'm so sorry. I always say Lily when I see you, right? Praise God. Okay, good. I'm like, man, hopefully I haven't been calling you Amy to your face. You're like, wow, how patient you are. <laughs> I love the name Lily too, so I always remember it's Lily when I see you, but uh, that's when you go off your notes, man, you get in trouble. <laughs> but I've got to know uh, both those couples, and they just love Jesus. And they're, and they're thriving in fellowship, and they're building up brothers and sisters in Christ. I'm like, they're doing whatever the believers here should be doing. A lot of you are, and praise God, that's beautiful. But they want to be around their brothers and sisters. And they're not just getting involved in a little clique and making their own little clique. I see them reaching out to other people. And that's how we should all be, is just loving each other, encouraging one another. Amen. Amen. And it's just beautiful. And I mean that from the heart. You guys know that I love you guys so much. You guys are so precious, you know. And God uses our trials. What Owen went through, you know, was pretty heavy. And then we got together and prayed. And and uh, I just thought, wow, God uses these trials. And God answered our prayer. It seems like right. That's a that was a miracle right there. It was like crazy what he was going through. Sweetest little kid, you know. And we were praying for him. There was like 15 people. It was like an hour after fellowship and because I had to minister up here to different people and something came up that I really needed my attention. I finally broke away and Steve took care of that and I'm fell, And little Owen's like, and he's a little guy. How old is Owen? Seven years old. He's so precious and he, he's like, I know I didn't get his name wrong, right? Because I really know his name. I know Lily's name too, but he just escaped me for a moment. Uh, so Owen comes over and he's with, standing there, he goes, You know, I was nervous about having people pray for me tonight, but Toby and I prayed together, and God has given me the strength to pray with you guys. Something like that, right? He's given me the courage, you know? I'm like, he's like a little man. He's, how old is he? seven years old, you know? It was so beautiful, and and it's so precious, and I was like, wow, Lord, and they're having, Toby and Owen are having fellowship, right? Little guys, young guys. Well, Toby, you're kind of, you know, you guys are big for your age, though, but, you know. Uh, they come over, and then they're talking about their prayer time to get ready for the prayer time. And they just bless our hearts. And, and fellowship is so beautiful. It's so important. And you want to teach your children the importance of fellowship. And you want, to, you want to be an example of that. And you want to mirror that. You know, Satan wants to rip it down. He wants to speak evil and break people away from each other and hurt people and, and get people to hate each other. And, and, you know, don't let that happen. Don't let... The enemy alienate you from fellowship. Look at verse 6. But Christ was faithful as a son over his house, whose house we are, if we hold fast our confidence, and the boast of our hope firm until the end. That's key, okay? And now look what he says in verse 12. Take care, brethren, that there not be in any one of you, and any one of you, an evil, unbelieving heart that falls away from the living God. Look at verse 14. But we have become partakers of Christ if we hold fast the beginning of our assurance, firm until the end. Now, I skipped a verse, and I skipped that verse on purpose because these two verses emphasize the importance of holding fast the faith, not falling away. Amen? To the end. Amen? Jesus said, he that endures the end will be saved. But the verse I skipped, I skipped on purpose because now I want to draw your attention to it because this verse is vital for us to persevere in our faith. Verse 13, but encourage one another. But encourage one another. But encourage one another. Are you doing that day after day as long as it's still called today so that none of you will be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin? That shows me that if we're not encouraging one another, Notice he didn't say, go to church so you can be encouraged. Because guess what everybody would do? they go to church and want somebody to come encourage them. They're like, I'm going to come and nobody's encouraging me. And it's like, no, guess what? That's not what it says. It says you're supposed to go to church. You're supposed to be among brothers and sisters. You're supposed to be encouraging them. And guess what? If everybody obeys that, amen, what's going to happen? Everybody's going to be getting encouraged. Unless everybody's lined up to just encourage one person. And I don't think that's going to happen. I've never just seen that, you know. But no, what's going to happen is everybody's going to encourage each other all the time. Hey, can I pray for you, bro? Hey, you going through things, something, sister? You know, can, do you need any help? Well, I'm going through this, and I can't get there because of that. And hey, I can give you a ride to the hospital. Or I can pick up groceries because these people are shut in and sick, you know? And what's sad is sometimes it's just a few people that take these things to heart. And that's not the way the Lord intended it. So a lot of people are being run ragged and, and fatigued because other people are just receiving How many of you go to church thinking, okay, what's the message going to be like today? How am I going to be encouraged and so forth? Instead of saying, how can I encourage my brothers and sisters in Christ? You know, everybody quotes JFK. You know, don't say what, you know, my country could do for me or something like that. I'm probably butchering that. But what I could do for my country, right? Well, the church should be way more like that than the country, Amen? amen? We should be saying, what can I do to build up my brothers and sisters in Christ? And by the way, guess what? If you start encouraging your brothers and sisters in Christ, a lot of your problems will go away because sometimes a lot of our problems are based on being focused on ourselves too much. And to be a follower of Jesus, we must deny ourselves, take up a cross daily, and follow him, amen? amen. So we say, we, 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 and it shouldn't be something we just say quickly, Lord, use me to bless people, that's important, but it should be our da- a daily prayer because we're supposed to encourage each other daily, amen? amen? And I dare not just go around living my Christian life, trying to obey the Lord, I have to pray all the time, because I'd fall flat on my face, because I'm nothing, honestly, I'm, I, I'm nothing without Jesus. Jesus said that, apart from me, you can do nothing. Paul said through him, we could do all things. So I have to cry out to him all the time, Lord, fill me, use me. Please help me to be a blessing to others. Hold me up, make me strong, because I wanna be a blessing, I wanna be my brothers and sisters be encouraged in Christ. And it's a beautiful thing to see brothers and sisters encouraged. And I get encouraged too, by my brothers and sisters, it's beautiful. But it's supposed to be like that, amen? So we're supposed to encourage one another daily. And I thought, it's interesting, but encourage one another day after day. It's the first time it hit me that way. When I read it for the first time, I've read this over and over and over and over again. I love verse 13, because verse 12 and 14 are powerful warnings. But verse 13, I love that because it's supposed to keep people from falling. It's the first time it hit me that doesn't say, but be in fellowship so you can be encouraged, so you don't fall away. No, it says to encourage one another. Amen? Amen? I challenge you. Make it a goal to be an encouragement to others. Well, what about my own needs? This is your need. You need to do God's will. Amen. You need to be used by him. It's better to give than to receive. And once you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, says Jesus, all your other needs will be met. Amen? So just put Jesus first and obey him. And by, no, by the way, it says, does it say just encourage one another on the Lord's Day, the first day of the week? Does that it say to do that? Does it say uh, encourage one another Sunday mornings and Wednesday nights? Is that what it says? No. No. And probably the way, we do have a Wednesday night, which is a great time to come because you're around believers to encourage them. Amen? That's why it's important to be in fellowship. But daily. And man, they didn't have cell phones back then, right? We could give a verse. Verse of the day, hey, bro. Or encourage a sister with a cell phone. And that's beautiful. I'm so glad we could do that, amen? But when they had to encourage one another, that means they need to get out of their homes around other brothers and sisters because they didn't have mail like we have it. They didn't have a postman that went to everybody's house, right? They'd have have to get around brothers and sisters every day how much easier God's made it for you to just call a brother out. They didn't have phones. But we need face-to-face fellowship too, amen? That's the most beautiful. Paul would talk about, I long to see you face-to-face. We see that with the apostles more than once, actually. So it's important to actually step it up. So look what he says in verse 13. But encourage one another day after day, as long as it's still called today, so that none of you will be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. There's no way out of it. You will become hardened by the deceitfulness of sin if you're out of fellowship too long. It's important to be in fellowship. And if you think you're invincible on your own and you don't need fellowship, how can we disobey God's word and believe that we're walking with Him Amen, yeah. and that we won't fall into the hardness of sin? It can happen really quick to people that you can become hardened toward the Lord or to your brothers and sisters. Go to Hebrews chapter 10. Verse 24, verse 23 and 24, let us hold fast, Paul says, or I should say I'm not Paul, but the author of Hebrews. Well, who was the author of Hebrews? I know, I'm absolutely sure who it was. It was God, okay, through a man. Verse Verse 23, let us hold fast that confession of our hope, the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. He's writing to a church in the book of Hebrews, Jewish believers mainly, who are being tempted because they're being persecuted. According to Hebrews 10, this very chapter, they're losing their homes. Some of them. Some of them have been in prison. They're visiting prisoners. They haven't yet been martyred, obviously, because they're living right now when he's writing to living saints. But they're losing homes. They're being in prison. Some of them are visiting the prisoners. And they're being tempted not to be in fellowship. They're being tempted not to be in fellowship because they could be branded as someone who is not following Judaism. It's to be ostracized from society. The authorities could take away their homes. They could even be imprisoned at this point. Are you going through that right now? No. What excuse do we have? And Paul, or the author of Hebrews, I'm sorry, was not allowing them to use that as an excuse. Because look what he says, verse 24: and let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds. That Greek word means provoke, stimulate. The NASB translates it stimulate because uh, provoke is a strong word. When you usually think of the word provoke, even in the Greek, it could be used for provoking people to anger. But I like the fact that the word provoke is what the Greek word means. It could also mean stimulate because it's ironic. Instead of provoking people to anger, we're supposed to provoke them to what? To love and to good deeds. Amen. And how can you provoke people and stimulate them and encourage them to love and good deeds if you're not around them, encouraging them day after day? Now, guess what? If you shoot for day after day, you'll be doing better than you're doing now. How many of you agree with that? Amen. Look at verse 25. Not forsaking our own assembling together, as is the habit of some. Not forsaking our own assembling together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more, encouraging one another, all the more as what? You see the day drawing near. What day? The day of Christ. Now we're 2,000 years almost nearer to the return of Christ than they were. And he was emphasizing and getting together all the more. Now Israel's a country again. The prophecies have been fulfilled. They're talking about rebuilding the temple, all these different prophecies, globalism, all these things are lining up. We need to make sure we get together all the more as you see not less and less. And he's telling them to do this when it was hard to get together because they could be arrested, they could lose their homes and potentially even die for their faith. But he's saying, hey, it's so important to be in fellowship, amen? I wanna encourage you guys to recognize the context too because just as the context of that other passage was the context of our hearts not being hardened and falling away, amen? In chapter three, this context is the same because in 26 he says, For if we go, if we, that's speaking to believers, obviously, go on sinning woefully after receiving the knowledge of truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a terrifying expectation of judgment, and the fury of a fire which will consume the adversaries. Anyone who has set aside the law of Moses dies without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. How much severer punishment do you think he will deserve who has trampled underfoot the Son of God and is regarded as unclean the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified? and has insulted the spirit of grace. For we know him who said vengeance is mine, I will repay and again the Lord will judge his people. Verse 31, it's a terrifying thing to fall into the hands of the living God. So brothers and sisters, this is the context of being involved in fellowship so you don't what? So you don't fall away. Do you understand that? And what happens is a lot of people get out of fellowship then they get more out of fellowship and they never dreamed of all of a sudden Falling away. Like, I could do it. I could be, I'm a strong Christian. I'm a Lone Ranger Christian. No such thing, man. No such thing in the Bible. So it's important that we stimulate each other to love and good works. And and by the way, when he says not to forsake the assembling of yourselves together, the gathering, the Greek Greek word there is uh, episunagoge, episunagoge. And I love that word because you know what word is in that Greek word? Episunagoge, what word we get from that? synagogue okay it was where the Jewish believers met and then the word was also then the believers after when the new covenant came and found out Christ was Messiah they modeled after that worship they got together as believers male and female and and, but the Christians started mixing together male and female could sit wherever not just on one side of the room or the other episode and what's really interesting about that word is Paul uses that word of the rapture it's only used, the noun is only used one other time. This is the noun right here, Episunagoge. It's only used one other time, the noun. That's Second Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 1, where Paul says, concerning Christ's coming and our, being, our gathering together to him, Episunagoge. And he had mentioned in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13 through 18, that when Christ comes back, the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain will be caught up together and meet them in the air and will forever be together with them. Amen? And there's going to be this ultimate Episunagoge, this gathering. Amen? And Jesus used the verb form in Matthew chapter 24, verse 31. He talked about he'll come after the tribulation and gather his elect from the four winds of heaven, from the farthest ends of the earth and the farthest ends of heaven. Mark 13 says that way. Guess what he used? Episugago. Uh, okay, that's the, the, the verb form of that word. And you know what's really cool about those, those Greek words is this blows me away. Because one day, we're all going to meet the Lord in the air with all of our brothers and sisters in Christ. Amen. All true Christians across the denominational lines, that all those that truly love and know Jesus, amen, will all be one. Nobody are ever saying, are you Baptist or, or are you Pentecostal or I'm a Methodist or whatever, you know? And there's problems in a lot of the denominations, but there's true believers in a lot of these denominations. Right. And, and we'll have this, this great epithynagogue, you know, gathering. But what I love is, it says in Hebrews 6, it talks about how we've tasted the heavenly gift. We have a foretaste of that meeting. So we meet together at Believers as an Episunagoge. That's a pre-meeting because it says, gather together all the more, Episunagoge, all the more, right? As you see the day of Christ approaching where you have the oh, oh, ultimate Episunagoge, amen? So we get together, it's a picture of what's gonna happen when Jesus Christ comes back and we're all together in Christ, amen? But guess what? We have a taste of that. We have a taste of heaven. When we get together as brothers and sisters of Christ right now, amen? So when you get together right now, you are, and we sing praises, right? We worship the Lord. We give him glory. It's okay, guys. I know we're all like a little nervous. What if this is the day? Joe's really preaching, man, Be ready for Jesus' return, you know? <laughs> and, uh, but uh, the Lord is good, amen? Always pray for wisdom for all things and everything and protect us, keep us, use us to your glory. It could be just a shadow of a guy. It could be something needed. But uh, praise God. Always ready to be with the Lord, amen? amen. Uh, we know that Paul talked about intervening events, though, before the gate takes place, Antichrist, apostasy, and so forth. But we want to encourage you, brothers and sisters in Christ, to look at your gathering together. That's, that's, do you understand that? That hit me. I would never even thought about that way. But then I realized, I knew those Greek words were the same, the verb and the nouns. But I thought, ooh, Lord, that's in the context of getting together for our meetings all the more as we get into that ultimate meeting. Right. It's a pre-meeting. It's a, so we have a pre-rapture kind of thing right now. Not pre-trib, but a pre-rapture gathering, amen? Now, Proverbs chapter 27 and 17 says this, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another, amen. amen? If you have a knife going dull, right? And it has no, you have no way of sharpening, it just sits by itself, it's just getting duller and duller. That's what happens to us as believers, amen? And it's like, I love the analogies like, you know, I mean, like the coal and the fire, you know? The old story of a pastor who visited a guy that had fallen away, got away, wasn't in fellowship anymore, and his life was going awry, and the pastor came over, to, 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 and the guy invited him in, and, and uh, he sat by the guy's fire, and he didn't say anything. The guy's like, hmm. And he took the tongs of the, at the guy's fireplace and grabbed an ember, burning hot ember, and stuck it on the side. And after some minutes went by, that became, he pointed to the ember how it became cold and dead and he said this is what happens when you get out of fellowship you become just like this ember amen but you put that ember back in the fire what happens it lights up again amen and you know in first peter we read in first peter chapter 5 verses 8 through 10 it talks in verse six about humbling ourselves. We gotta humble ourselves and say, we need God. We need each other, amen, under the mighty hand of God. And he talks about the importance of resisting the devil, right, and humbling yourself under the mighty hand of God. He says, for the Satan what goes about as a roaring lion, he says, seeking someone to devour, but resist him steadfast in the faith, amen. Lions don't usually hunt gazelles because they're really, really, really quick, but they hunt zebras and wildebeest. And we're like the, the zebras and the wildebeest. But what, do they, what are they very good at doing? Separating a wildebeest. You ever, I love to watch the nature programs ever since I was a little kid. They separate the zebra, they separate the wildebeest. They isolate it, then they devour it. Do not let Satan isolate you from your brothers and sisters in Christ. And don't just find some place to park your rear end and hear the message and, and take off. You can take off afterwards. I know, but, Oh, I can't believe you said that. I have a plan. I gotta go. No, I'm just saying. Don't make that a habit of never fellowship. I mean, sometimes you got to go. Sometimes you got things going. We understand. But reach out to your brothers and sisters in Christ. Love one another in Christ. Amen. It's all so so important that we do this. Quickly go to Hebrews chapter thirteen because I want to show you what that looks like when we're together, and we'll go through this briefly. Hebrews chapter thirteen verse one. Let love of the brethren. So, what do we do? This is what you do. These are the things. I don't have time to ex- explicate them too long or exegete them too, too much because we want to do communion. But it says, let love of the brethren continue. So, love one another. Do not neglect showing hospitality to strangers. That means reach out to others. For by this, some have entertained angels without knowing it. We just talked about that recently. Remember the prisoners. So we need to remember those who are suffering for Christ. Amen. They're part of our body, not just our local body. We need to reach out to brothers and sisters throughout the world. Amen. Remember the prisoners as though in prison with them and those who are ill-treated since you yourselves also are in the body. Remember, we're all part of the same body. Amen. When one part of the body hurts, the other part of the body should hurt. And if we don't feel for other people in the body of Christ, we're not close enough to the body of Christ. We need to get closer. Amen. Marriage is to be held in honor among all, and the marriage bed is to be undefiled. Fornicators and adulterers, God will judge. In other words, when you're among the brothers and sisters, don't take advantage of each other and defraud each other sexually. Verse 5, make sure that your character is free from the love of money, being content with what you have. For he himself has said, I will never desert you, nor will I ever forsake you. How many people have forsaken fellowship? Because guess what? I just got to work, and they're not in fellowship anymore, and they fall away. Verse 6, so that we confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What will man do to me? The Lord promised he'll never leave us or forsake us. Amen. We look to him and we trust him. And in Christ, in Christ, we're invincible. Amen. Because neither height nor depth nor prince power or power or any other created thing. Even death, it says, cannot separate you from love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. Amen. So you want to be in Christ. Make sure you're in Jesus. That's where the security is. Verse seven. Remember those who led you, who spoke the word of God to you. And consider the result of their conduct. Imitate their faith. It's about submitting to leadership. What happened to our brother Nick? As he got out of fellowship? He distrusted leadership. Leadership did nothing. He didn't say they did anything. Nothing was going on. With he, everything was great, he said at times. But he just was listening to this weird stuff. And look at verse seventeen. Verse seventeen. Obey your what? Your leaders and submit to them, for they keep watch over your souls as those who give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with grief, for this would be unprofitable for you. So, guess what? We tell people, we let people know. I mean, we communicate with people not just in this fellowship. We get emails and so forth. And and this is one of the verses we use. If they're not, they don't want to find a fellowship. And we've got so many people that listen to us. You need to be in submission to leadership. So we encourage, you know. There's a lot of discontinuity with our brother, Nick, and not trusting Nick Paneri. When Nick Paneri was so trustworthy, that's why we sent him out. He's, there's no accusations against him, he's a wonderful brother, but he was not trusting anyone, all of us. And then he wasn't able to follow leadership But a local pastor and local brothers and sisters where you sharpen each other, amen, can help you be accountable to what's right and what's good and can remind you, hey, you're getting off the straight and narrow. Hey, that voice is not from the Lord. That voice gave you a prophecy that wasn't from Jesus. And he admitted, by the way, that he made a false prophecy that he didn't even know why he said that to this person. He went and apologized to him. Then later he took it back saying, I shouldn't have apologized. You know, he was so confused. And the Lord does not want you to not learn from the severity of what it means to be disconnected from the leadership of a fellowship and and from the brothers and sisters of fellowship because Satan wants to alienate you just because he's a roaring lion, just like a lion wants to alienate a zebra or a wildebeest. And he wants you to distrust fellowship and stay out of fellowship so he can have you just hearing his voice. And then he ratchets up the voice and starts telling you other things. And poor Nick, he started thinking of King Saul and what King Saul had done, you know? And uh, it happened really quick. But a lot of it came down to being out of fellowship and cutting everybody off. Draw near to your brothers and sisters, amen? Well, the church I go to is not perfect. Well, you, I hate to tell you, you're not perfect. And if it was a perfect fellowship, as we say, as soon as you join it's not gonna be perfect anymore, you know? Because none of us are perfect. We're all striving to know Jesus better, we're all striving to grow. And praise God, one thing we all know about this fellowship, you could talk to my wife, my family, my brothers and sisters are close to me, we have a good track record by the grace of God. We've only laid our lives down all these years. And God has done that by his grace, not through us, amen? Not that there haven't been struggles or, or, or None, woman, sinless, nothing like that. And the brothers and sisters here in the leadership, they have integrity. They love Jesus. If somebody falls short, they, then they need to be confronted in a loving way. Amen? Amen. But we have so many brothers and sisters here that love Jesus. I praise God for this assembly. So I want to encourage you to continue to love one another, continue to love Christ, continue to stay in fellowship, so that your joy may be made full. Amen. Amen. Praise God. I love you guys. Can we all please stand up and take communion.